And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Welcome to another Fastened Like Nails. I'm Mark Hamby, and in the studio with me again today is Molly Mayo. Molly, thanks for being here as my co-host today. Well, thank you. Okay, Molly, we're going to go through the book of Jeremiah. We're going to be in chapter 17. We're going to go through an obscure verse that recently came upon. And we're going to come upon a verse that we're extremely familiar with, and we're going to see how those two verses connect and what they mean, because this passage, this chapter in Jeremiah, is significantly um, appropriate for our time in our day and age. Um, Let's see what happens here. Have you ever read the book of Jeremiah? I have. Jeremiah is one of my favorite books. How about yours? Um, I haven't spent a lot of time there, though, no. It's, uh, you know, he's the weeping prophet. He wrote Lamentations mm. as well. In fact, if there's anyone listening today that is looking for counseling, mm. I would say read the book of Lamentations before you go to counseling. Mm. I think Lamentations will save people a lot of money. It's uh, God causing grief. When you get to chapter 3, God causes grief so that we might have hope. Michael Card actually did a study. It was called A Sacred Sorrow is the name of the book. And he kind of unpacks Jeremiah's life and the writing of Lamentations. That was really powerful mm. for me this past year because mm-hmm. it kind of really unpacks what that looked like for him and how we as a culture don't really know how to process grief mm. or when we go through stuff, we don't know how to what to do with that. And so sometimes we can make God unattainable. But he was just talking about how genuine and real and broken a lot of the people in the Bible were, Jeremiah, David, Jesus, and Job. Hmm. And so um, that was someone that really hit me. Peter, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the the, the women that follow Jesus, extremely mm-hmm. broken people. God raises up to make us whole. You know, what's interesting about Jeremiah is that he is the one prophet that God raises up to tell the king that, you know, you're evil and that you're going to be judged. And mm-hmm. Jeremiah's like, if I tell the king this, he's going to kill me. And God's like, do what I tell you to do, you know. And, and he goes there. And what happens? He pays an awful price for it. He ends up getting put in a pit of like a sewer. Mm. And and then they drop down, you know, pieces of bread and they drop down. He basically is eating sewer water Ugh. while he's down there. He becomes so thin that in order to get him out of that, they have to put soft cloths under his arms or his flesh would have ripped off. You know, so he's extremely emaciated. And um, mm. and he's kind of like wondering, like, God, I obeyed your voice, and this is what I get for it? Mm. And God uses the prophet Jeremiah, what he goes through, as a parallel to what Israel is like. And so Israel is going through this incredible backsliding condition. When you get to chapter 17, up to this point, um, God is rebuking them and telling them that they're going to get judged. They're going to, mm. they're going to, Another nation is going to come and take them over. Are they listening? They're, they're, not only are they not listening, they're speaking back to God and saying, like, how have we disobeyed you? Mm. When have we heard your word? What prophet did you send to tell us these things? Oh, and, and God's been telling them all along, uh-huh. but they don't think it's for them. Oh, whoa. They see themselves as righteous, especially in light of the things and practices that they were involved in, like sacrificing babies mm. on the altars of Baal and Asherah, on the on the altars of of Molech. How did they get to that? Because this is like God's chosen people, right? Yeah. So how did they get to that point? One word. You ready? Yeah. Idolatry. Mm. First John ends his book 
this fascinating prophecy of what the church is supposed to be like. And he tells the church, number one, you have to believe that Jesus came in the flesh, that he died for you, that he loves you, that he will hear you, and that if you walk in the light as he's in the light, Mm -hmm. you'll have fellowship one with another and with God and Mm -hmm. his son, Jesus Christ. And John sets this whole story up to say in 1 John to say this, if you're a real believer, then one of the things that you will have, the characteristics of being a real believer, is that you're going to have fellowship with the Father, with the Son, and with one another. Mm. And he says, if that's not happening, if you're, if you're resisting, if you don't enjoy fellowshipping with real believers, mm. if your conversation is not on things above, then that should be suspect. Mm. Um, you should be, you know... I like what Paul says in Corinthians, examine yourself, test yourself, see whether or not you're really in the faith. And then he asks this question, do you not know that Jesus Christ really lives in you? Mm. And if Jesus Christ really lives in you, three things are going to happen. You're going to, well, four main things. So you're going to have fellowship with God the Father and God the Son and with one another, and you're going to admit that you're a sinner and that you need to walk in the light. Mm-hmm. You're not going to hide your sin. You're not going to keep yourself, you know, you know, behind a behind a wall. You're you're going to be willing to walk in the light because you don't want darkness to be the characteristic of your life. Mm-hmm. And so John writes this amazing book, and he writes um, the first chapter, and then he gets to the final chapter in chapter five, and he says, you know, like brethren, you know, if you're really a believer, then you're going to love one another. But if you hate your brother, then you're a liar and the, the love of God isn't in you. And then he gets to the very end and he says, and this is one more characteristic of being a real believer, that if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. And you know, you will have the confidence to know that if he hears you, you will, he, you will, you will receive the entreaties that you've been asking of him. Wow. And that you will actually start having answers to prayer. Molly, what was this week like? A miracle. <laughs> prayer, answers to prayer all week long, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Any particular one that uh, you can think of? Probably, there were a lot of them, a lot, a lot. But I think the top two were, one, we are recording. So this week we were recording Shipwrecked. It was uh, Lamplighter Theater Live. And we had not only six parts to do in two days, but one of our actors was leaving at 6 o'clock on the second day. And so this was one of our main characters, Alex. And so we're recording five and waiting on six. Six is still being written. And um, that's where I come in. We just start praying like crazy. And I turn to the students behind us and I was just like, just pray, just pray. And so they're like, we're just soaking this thing in prayer. And, um, and we have people who are like sending, we sent out a prayer letter and we've got oh, amazing God. people. I didn't know who are, that. I think we did. Oh, if that happened. That would explain what happened in my office. Yeah. Because, Molly, I was just crying out to God because I uh-huh. could not figure out how to write the, salvations, the salvation theme. It just wasn't working. Uh-huh. And I'm like, 
my mind just, you know what happens when you write, you get writer's block yeah. and your mind just goes blank and you can't write anymore? Mm-hmm. So with when I was doing Dash to Pieces, anytime I got to a scene with scripture in it, like a scriptural truth or something pivotal like that, it would literally be like there's a huge wall in front yeah. of me and I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And you, you'd, you'd have to like pray through that. And then usually it's because you're headed in the wrong direction. You have yep. to turn <laughs> and do something different. Wait, 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 you got to hear this. Yeah. So John Fornoff and I meet in my office, yeah. and I tell him, I want the salvation scene to take place on this scene. Uh-huh. And he goes, no, 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 that's not where it goes. needs to be. And I said, that's where I want it to be. I feel that's right. And he mm. goes, no, it needs to be at the end. So I said, well, let's take a look at it. And we go to the end. I'm like, I don't like it. I just don't like it. I want it to be back here. Mm-hmm. And so he goes, and then he gives in. He goes, okay, but if it's going to be there, then I would just kind of finesse it here. And, and so I'm really like, I'm convinced where mm-hmm. it needs to be. I spend an hour writing, rewriting, having Sarah come up, listen to this. No, it's not very good. Shad, call him. No, it's not very good. You know, I'm like, oh, Lord. And I finally just delete it all. Wow. And I'm like, okay, let's just keep going. Let's uh-huh. see if it fits somewhere uh-huh. else. I get to the very end, exactly where John thinks it's supposed to be. Uh-huh. And it, you heard it. Mm-hmm. It just was, it was beautiful. Brilliant. Perfect. I was going to yeah. say beautiful. It, it wasn't it was. me. It was there's. I can take no credit for that whatsoever. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's as if God says, "Okay, you finally humbled yourself. Now I can <laughs> use you." Set aside. I felt like God just kind of like took me out of my seat and he just sat down uh-huh. and started typing it, you know? Oh, that's amazing. That's what it sounded like. So we get the script and we have not looked at it. We don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> we're discovering it as we're going. And we have 12 pages left and the actor has to be on like in a car where we're like it's going, started going to the he has everything's packed and he's got to like it's out there waiting for the him. cars the car's running the driver's in it his luggage is packed we have 10 minutes to do 12, 12 pages, pages and then, which is impossible yeah so then we've been like praying 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 and finally we're like okay we're just going to take these next few scenes we're just going to do one we're just going to go take. for it and so then we start recording it, and we're like, whoa, this, this, like the script is beautiful. And then the actor's recording it, and we're just like, like the students are praying behind us, the Master's Guild students, and we're praying up here. And then he says all those lines, and two, two of the other actors in the scenes, you know, they end up re- redoing some lines, but he, like, I don't know, nailed like it. he nailed, he nailed it. it. Yeah. And so what first take, six o'clock. 6.05, he runs out the door, <laughs> we all like say goodbye, yeah. and then he's gone. And Cheering. And I was like, I did not know. I was like, God, can you do this? Like, yeah, it was like a miracle. Pure faith. It was and a miracle. And it was in parallel to the story itself. Oh, yeah. Isn't that something? It was It was exactly like, because at the very end, they're like, oh, an Arctic miracle or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're recording. I was like, wow, this, like, this whole thing was a miracle. is a huge, huge miracle. And that's what Jeremiah 17 is all about. Yeah. Jeremiah 17 is a reflection of what a true believer should be like. Mm. John, he ends his book in 1 John with, if you're a real believer, one of the things that you can count on, you can have confidence in, is you're going to get answers to prayer. That's amazing. Your prayer life is going to guide you. It's like the connection. Uh-huh. Your prayers are your electrical connection between you and God. What was it we heard on Sunday? It's like incense to God. It's a when you when you pray, it's like offering up is that burning incense. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That's a beautiful thought. Okay, so so here we are. You asked the question what caused Israel to backslide so far mm-hmm. in 1 John chapter 5. Mm-hmm. He ends He ends his amazing letter with this unlikely, unexpected phrase. And it says this. Little children, 
keep yourself from idols. <laughs> the end. It just ends like that. It's like, what? Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. That was Israel's main problem that they mm-hmm. faced. They kept bringing new images for God. They had their Baals. They had their Asherahs. They had their Molechs. They, they, kept, they kept copying Uh the images of the gods around them, the nations Mm -hmm. around them. They they felt like they they needed that. You know, and and I was talking with someone this morning about the same idea that our children are growing up with the same false images that Israel grew up with. They have the false images of, um, you know, the superheroes. Mm. We, We have flooded our children with images. What was so funny? No, no, yeah, I think, I think we were talking about that. Oh, you and I were talking yeah. about <laughs> <laughs> oh, at, during the interview? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about it here. I think it's important. Yeah. So, do you remember some of the things we talked about? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, well, you were talking about, um, so there's like the image of God and we're like constantly, so when we're doing the audio dramas, we kind of flood people's imagination with yeah. these Reignite stories. the imagination. Yeah, we were, we were actually talking within context of like this, <clears throat> there's this beautiful oasis that these boys find and it's in the middle of this frozen tundra. There's like been no hope or anything like that. They get over the hill and there's just this beautiful paradise in the middle of nowhere. And so kind of the conversation that we were having was you were talking about how like you pictured that probably totally different than I did. And my imagination's going crazy with all this stuff that I'm thinking about. And your imagination's going crazy with all your stuff. And um, Because our imaginations are based on the books that we've read, the people that we meet, the experiences that we've had, Mm -hmm. and most importantly, our concept of God. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. You know, and most children today have zero concept of God. Mm. Their concept of God can go no farther than Spider-Man mm-hmm. or Thor. You know, that's that's as far as they... And the reason for that is because for them, seeing is believing. Mm. They can't believe in something that is trans... that's mm-hmm. beyond the, the, the sight of... beyond their, their view, beyond the eyes. And I think something that you do, you talk about quite a bit is with like video games and movies mm. and things like they're flashing these images and, and they're doing like watching these things so fast, like they don't really have to think for themselves. Right. And so that's something that you've talked about. Neil Postman talks about that in his mm. book, Amusing Ourselves to Death. G- and Gina Rudvath and uh, Reading Between the Lines yeah. is one of the best books on it. So I think in a huge sense, like, we're just getting lazy in our minds thinking, like, why would I have to imagine some of those things? Yeah, readers are leaders. Leaders are readers. Um, We have to exercise the mind. Good literature, too. What's that? Yeah, like good literature. It's hard to find good literature. (laughs) But you got to remember that the books that we read need to be Mm -hmm. evaluated based on the worldview of the author. Uh And if you don't know the worldview of an author, I'd say stay away from it until Mm -hmm. you know it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the great classics, um, what's the French the French classic, Les Miserables? Oh, yeah, Victor Hugo. Yeah, so that's a, it's an amazing story. Mm. But when you get to know the worldview of Victor Hugo, mm-hmm. you start to see what he implanted mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. story. He was a socialist. Uh-huh. You know, he was, he was influenced by Marxism. He, he, what, it's not the kind of story, even though it has this great redemptive moment in the end, you know, it's that's not what the book really does mm. to people because they are not discerning enough to know what the worldview of the author really was. Oh, yeah. And I don't think you can write anything without imbuing it with your worldview hmm. for sure. Like even just having a conversation with someone, you know that when they're talking to you, they're going to have a bias whether they're 
aware of it or not. Like if I talk to someone like I believe in Jesus, like that's going to be subconsciously in right. everything I say and how I view things. And if someone's talking to like an atheist or maybe they um, you can see this a lot with writers who maybe have gone through some sort of trauma or something in their past that like maybe abuse or whatever mm-hmm. that'll show up in their writings that they can kind of yeah. have that bent. Um, yep. Ginny Owens, she's blind and a lot of her music is filled with how she sees the world. Mm-hmm. And so it can be like that good or bad sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, but absolutely. It's, it's prevalent. Yeah, so in order for children to have their re- their imagination mm. redeemed and restored, um, it has to take place with the worldview of God, that he's mm-hmm. good, that he works all things together for good, that he keeps his promises, and that he will allow suffering to mm-hmm. for us to experience his love. And grow our character. Yeah, he's got to grow our character. Yeah. And so one of the ways that that happens for children is to take they got to get away from the mm. bombardment of images that they're seeing on video games and Hollywood and movies, Little children, et cetera. Keep yourself from idols. There you go. Keep your, and that's what Israel was doing. They mm-hmm. kept going back to their idolatry mm-hmm. of making all of these idols. So you have a definition for idol, right? I would say anything that takes the place of God. Yeah. yeah. Anything that you put above God in your heart. Yeah. That idea. Yeah, and everyone has their hearts they have a void in their hearts and everyone mm-hmm. tries to fill it with something mm-hmm. and so the, our, our idolatry could be you know food our idolatry mm-hmm. could be television our idolatry could be um i don't know we could be um overindulgent in having to have media mm-hmm. you know dominate our lives we got to watch news constantly mm-hmm. there's something that we're constantly trying to fill ourselves with mm-hmm. um it could be sex it could be drugs it could Pornography. be uh, Pornography, yeah, that's a big one today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what Israel's problem was. Um, they they had two things going in their lives. They had the Word of God, the mm-hmm. prophecies, and they had their idolatry. Mm-hmm. And so God is warning them, and they're saying, like, mm. wait, wait, what do you mean that we're going to be judged because we're not doing anything wrong? Mm. They, they were complacent in the type of lifestyle that they were living. They just didn't see it as sin anymore. We were talking a little bit about that with the is God good idea, um, because if you reason that away, then you're making justification for your own immoral decisions. And so, like you mm. said, you've got these two things pivoted against each other. They've got their idolatry and then God's word, and they can't have both, but they're like, I'll make it fit. Yeah, I'll like, make it fit. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what they're doing. So God says, okay, Je- Jeremiah 17:1. God says, the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. It's like, you're not going to believe me? He goes, this is how I'm going to write it down. You won't, breathe, you won't believe the words that I've written with pen and ink. So now I'm going to write my judgment upon you with a pen of iron. Wow. And guess where he's going to write it? With the point of a diamond. diamond. I'm going to make sure this time you can't miss the message that I'm trying to give you. There's such a sense of urgency here. Yeah. And I'm going to write this no longer on paper. I'm going to write this on the tablet of your heart and upon the horns of your altars. Ooh. It's going to judge them. Guess what they were doing on the horns of their altars? Hmm. Sacrificing their children. Aww. Yeah. This is, this is a time in Israel's history when they really believed that this sacrifice of their children was pleasing to God. Hmm. Um, was it God or was it a different God? Were they doing it to they believed, Yahweh? They believed they were doing it for Yahweh. Wow. Yeah. But but not really. I mean, you think you are in their mind. Oh, yeah, but no. No, not really. Yeah. 
Watch verse 2. While your children remember their altars and their groves by the green trees and the high hills. Um, This is interesting. This could be taken two ways. Um, Some commentators take verse 2 as, um, you will remember the children that you've sacrificed on the altars, or that you have raised your children to partake in the same sin that Mm -hmm. you're involved in. So it's one of those two ways. Both are bad. Um, Verse 3, God says, Oh, my mountain in the field. That could be talking about Jerusalem. I will give you your substance and all your treasures to the spoiler. So God's going to give everything they've got to spoil, Mm -hmm. to the spoiler and to the spoil. And I'm going to give your high places for sin throughout all your borders. Mm -hmm. So God's going to just destroy everything that they've been counting on, everything they've been enjoying. Verse 4, And you, even yourself, shall discontinue from the heritage that I gave you. And I will cause you to serve your enemies in the mm-hmm. land which you knew not, for you have kindled a fire in my anger, which shall burn forever. So God is what? Mad. Yeah, he's, he is angry. He is fiercely angry he's right now serious. with them. And he starts off with, you, don't, you, you won't believe my words, the words that I've spoken, nor the words that I've written. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm going to write this with an iron pen, with mm-hmm. a diamond tip, and I'm going to engrave it in your heart so you will get it this time. And guess what, Molly? Hmm. 4,000 years later or 3,700 years later, mm-hmm. guess what Israel no longer does? What? They no longer have idols. Oh, wow. Is it because of this event? I believe it's because of all that they've gone through from this time forward, through the Holocaust, through everything that God has mm-hmm. placed Israel through. God has completely cleansed Israel of all idolatry. This is so crazy. Like, this is a huge struggle for them. Like, even back with Moses and everything, like, they just kept going back. Yeah. Why is this so rooted in them? It's being rooted in the world because they kept staying close to the world. Oh. Same reason for the church today. The church is doing exactly the same thing. It just looks different today. I think it looks the same. We don't have children sacrificed on I on What's happening in our public schools? What's happening in our churches our children are being sacrificed, not in a literal, physical mm. sense, but we're sacrificing our children. Look at how children are being raised today. Mm. Gender confusion, all of the stuff that's being t- prayer taken out of their lives, mm. no concept of God. What we have done is we are li- adults, the politicians, the leaders, they're living their lives without any regard for the future of their children. They are sacrificing their children for their own benefit right mm. now. So that's all they have in mind. Um, this is an exact parallel to our, our culture today. Notice what it says next. Thus says the Lord, verse 5, Cursed be the man that trusts in man. And that goes back to Psalm 118. And makes flesh his arm, whose heart departs from the Lord. So that phrase makes flesh his arm, mm-hmm. he's depending on his own strength. Mm, my, my translation has strength there. Seriously? Uh-huh. Oh, I, we both have the King James. I have, have the new, NKJV. Oh, New King James. Yeah. Interesting. So when mankind starts to depend on their own strength, mm-hmm. they disregard the Word of God, praying to God, mm-hmm. and worshiping God. And they start depending on their own idolatry again. And that happens so fast and so easily and so in, undetectable um, because we get into a situation where we get, oh, I don't know, we get um, depressed, 
mm-hmm. disenchanted, hurt. And those hurts, um, we will either build walls so that we stay protected or we fight and we want to hurt somebody else. That's what we do. Those are our two main... There's got to be another option there. <laughs> yes, the other option is wait upon the Lord and he will renew your strength. Mm. You will mount up with wings as eagles. You shall run and not be weary. You shall walk and not faint. You know what's interesting is that I've gone through a trial for two years now. Yeah. Um, unresolved. And it's been difficult. It's been in regard to the building of a house and um, all of the different <laughs> codes and zoning and so forth that um, just some things that have just been difficult to get through and um, some things that appear extremely unjust. And God has been teaching me something. In fact, just yesterday, one of my board members called me and said, what's God teaching you through all this? Mm. And I said, you know what's interesting? I said, you know, I just read in Romans just just two days ago, uh, submit to those in authority, to all in authority in government. Um, it's not just to the good, and but it's to anyone that God, God places people in authority over us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what God's truly trying to teach me in the end of all this, but right now he's teaching me submit to authority, mm-hmm. good or evil. And, uh, you know, don't don't submit to something that would make you deny God or someone that would make you do something immoral or illegal. But God brings, you know, oppression. You know, people look look at the people of Ukraine right now, people in Russia right now and and China right now. You know, we still want to serve God and do the things that God wants us to do. But at the same time, we still have to obey the rulers that God's placed over us. and so God's teaching me to trust him during this time and not to try to defend myself, not to try to fight myself. Important lessons. Mm-hmm. And here, this is really interesting, verse 6, he says, you, this is part of his judgment, you're going to be like naked in the desert. You, what word do you have? Like a shrub. A shrub. Like a shrub Oh, interesting. In the, the word shrub is the word for a shrub that, it's either shrub mm-hmm. or nakedness. It's a shrub mm-hmm. without any, any leaves on it. Mm-hmm. It's just barren in the wilderness. Like that Wild West scene with the little thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you shall not see when, look at this, Mel, you will not see when good comes, mm. but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land not inhabited. Mm. That's a pretty desolate mm-hmm. you know, future for them. And then all of a sudden he goes, blessed is the man, though, that trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Mm. Like, that doesn't seem to fit, does does it? You've got all this judgment, and then, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. It's beautiful. Watch before you say beautiful. Watch what happens next. Ready? (laughs) For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreads her her roots by the river. She'll not see when heat comes, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall it cease from yielding fruit. So seven seven and eight are beautiful. Mm -hmm. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of Mm -hmm. water. I think he's quoting David. Yeah. But then in verse 9, the famous verse that we are all familiar with, the heart is deceitful above all mm-hmm. and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Mm-hmm. Molly, why does that verse come right there in the context of blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord? Uh, I don't know. What's Israel doing? They're not trusting in the Lord. No, their heart is extremely deceitful and desperately wicked. 
they can't even understand what it means to trust in the Lord. They think they're trusting in the Lord. They think they've got all of these privileges of God. But at the same time, God's saying, like, you think you're trusting the Lord. You think you're a tree planted by the rivers of water. You think that you have all of these things, but the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. You can't even see what you're like. Watch what happens next. Mm -hmm. Verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. God is still, this is still a chapter of judgment. Mm -hmm. this, is not a, this is not in the middle of this where he's saying like, but if you trust in the Lord, things are going to be great. He's not saying that. He's saying like, this is what you think. You think that everything is good in your life, mm -hmm. but it's not. Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, and you don't even know it. And then God says, and I'm going to help you to understand what you're really like. I'm going to let you have your own way, and I'm going to let you bear the fruit of your own doings. I'm going to let other people see what you're really like. Mm. And then he gives this incredible illustration of the context. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Verse 11. It's um, a very difficult verse to interpret. You and I have sat in the studio trying to figure it out ourselves, but I think we've got the the gist of it. Um, in the CEV version, it says, you cheated others, but everything you gained will fly away like birds hatched from stolen eggs. Then you will discover what fools you are. Read, read me what you have in another version. Sure. Um, that is going to be Jeremiah 17, 11. Yep. Okay. Like the partridge that hatches the eggs, which she has not laid, so is he who makes a fortune in ways that are unjust. It will be lost to him before his days are over, and in the end he will be nothing but a fool. So I think the best interpretation of this, in light of the context, so the context is, is that Israel has been going after the false gods of the nations around them. That's what's been satisfying them. That's what has been seducing them. And so they think they're all right. Nothing's really wrong. It'd be like people today, Christians today. It's like, you know, they, they sit down and, and their life is just consumed with you know, TV, their life is consumed with hobbies, their life is consumed with just no real kingdom pursuits. There's no evangelism in their life. There's no real hard work, kingdom work going on in their lives. You know, God has saved us to be a part of his kingdom and his righteousness. And he didn't save us to just have a safe life sitting at home. And so we got to ask ourselves, you know, am I Am I part of the kingdom mm. or am I part of my own safety net so that I can live my happy life and live my American dream? That's not what God saved us for. Mm -hmm. And that's what Israel's doing well, here. I think that's a myth. I don't think it exists. Interesting. Doesn't really, I don't know, Molly. I think there's some people very content. Mm, but I don't think they're truly happy. I think you can sear the conscience and find a sense of joy. Okay, so they're they're content, but they have no joy. Yeah, that's what I see. They mm -hmm. they have no real joy. The the thrill of joy is, you know, when you're really in the midst of the spirit of God working miracles in your lives in your midst. Mm -hmm. You've seen answers to prayer. Well, I think it's a little bit characterized by growth because I think people who get content and comfortable, um, cozy, like you can have a great time, but. Right. There's not growth. Right. Um, Complacency. When I was younger, I hated playing the piano. It was my least favorite thing of all things. And I, after about three or four years, I realized I hadn't grown 
in my skill level. Mm. I was still in kind of the same spot. And I was like, whoa, freaked me out a little bit. And I was like, well, why why is this happening? Why am I not progressing? And I realized it's because I just kind of, I'm good at sight reading. So I would just sight read my way mm. through things and not put in the time, not put in the work or the effort. And so I was sustaining. I was like, I could play the piano, fine. But I was just, I was at a point where I just was stagnant and I wasn't moving forward like I should have been and that's when I made the decision I was like okay so either I'm going to persevere and like get good at this or I'm just gonna Mm -hmm. stop Mm -hmm. and it's I mean it's we should be asking ourselves (laughs) that question in our Christian lives every every year am I different than last year am I am I more self-disciplined am I more persevering do I have more of the knowledge of God under my belt do I have more joy do I Am I, am I kinder? Mm. You know, am I more discerning? Those are questions that we need to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is an important time in Israel's history, too, because they were totally unaware that they were stagnant. They were complacent, and they were involved in the sins of the nations around them. And they didn't even know it was wrong. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible place to be, and a lot of people are stuck there right now. Mm-hmm. So God gives this amazing example of the, of the partridge, the partridge will go and lay on eggs that are not hers or steal them, it's called. She'll lay on eggs that are not hers, hatch them, only to find out when the fledglings are out, they realize it's not their mother and they fly away. In the same way, Israel's been kind of like mm-hmm. holding on to things that are not theirs, that are not to be theirs. Mm-hmm. And as a result of the things that they thought were to bring them comfort, all of a sudden, get up and leave. And all I can think of is people that have been enticed to think that this other relationship will be better for mm-hmm. them, this other job will be better for them. And then all of a sudden, they they keep trying to find what's going to bring them true happiness, mm-hmm. and it just leaves them. And there they are, stuck again, worse off than they were at the first. Mm-hmm. So, Molly, we placed... Um, this partridge theme example in the newest drama, mm-hmm. Shipwrecked. And we did it because of Ivan. He kept thinking that he could be the... Prideful, impulsive, conceited Ivan. Yeah, and he was the commander of his own... Ship. Destiny. His, his own destiny. Because he had saw someone else that seemed to follow that same pattern, not realizing, I can't give it away, um, it was someone very close to him. But um, we put this in there because I think it's an obscure verse. Um, most people probably have never read this verse about the partridge um, holding on to things that are not rightfully his or hers, and as a result, they fly away. Mm-hmm. Like the things that we hold on to in the end, mm-hmm. they, they're not there for us to support us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, God is wanting us to completely be supported by him in what he does is he uses a word in this that's very unusual. Take a look at it. It's in verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart, and I try the reins. Mm. The word reins is the word for kidneys. Oh. I thought that would wake you up. Fascinating. (laughs) Okay. It's also the word for? Heart. Mind. No. Well, mind a little bit. But more, it's the word for? Appetite. Interesting. It's the word more particularly 
You ready for this? I'd like a drum roll on this. It's the word for, it's the Hebrew word for um, kalah, kalah, kidneys, but it's the seat of emotion and where your affections lie. Mm. It's the seat of your affections. So Molly, this, this word, if you understand this word, you'll understand everything that God's trying to reveal in chapter 17 mm-hmm. of Jeremiah. He tries the reins. Okay, what does he try? He tries the reins and he tries what else? Your heart. The heart. The reins, though, are, our, are where our affections are. Oh. It's the idea of kidneys, and the kidneys are our affections, and the liver is where the lust is. Um, the, each, bo- each organ of our body connects with a different... Um, impulse. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, well, it's that's that's what the tradition teaches. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But this one is true. This idea of the reins of our life. What are the rain? What are the reins? What do reins do? Mm, they it, steer, direct. Steer, direct. Hold, hold it in place. Stop mm-hmm. it. Start yeah. it. You know the horse. Control the movement. So the the ancient word for for reins uh, carries the idea of the palm of someone's hand. The palm of someone's hand is what is used to subdue the will. Mm. It is the power. The hand reflects power. It is also the picture of a shepherd's staff. It is a shepherd's staff that's, when combined with the palm of hand and a shepherd's staff, it's the, the theme of taming an animal. Mm. That's what a shepherd does with a staff. Keeps the sheep going in the right direction. Prodding them in the right direction. Absolutely. From the wrong path. It carries the idea of taming the yoke so that an animal will become usable. Mm. And we did that in the drama of Shipwrecked with the Reindeer. Mm -hmm. Um, This idea of reining in, God testing the reins of our lives, has everything to do with chapter 17 and what Israel was doing. Their affections were outside of God. They no longer had their affections set on things above. Mm. They had their affections set on the things of the world. And as a result, God says, I'm going to test where your affections are because where your affections are is where your heart is. Mm -hmm. And where your heart is is what you're truly going to be worshiping. Mm. We worship the things that we, where our affections tend to go more than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And that's why John ends his chapter with, my little children, keep yourself from idols because the idols are the affections of your heart. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit lamplighter.net slash podcast and fill out the form. That's lamplighter.net slash podcast.